special Reformation edition of the story, Chapter 7 at Bethany Lutheran Church here on the Article 7 podcast. Hello and welcome. Yes, uh, this past Sunday at Bethany, we had the brass, we had uh, Mighty Fortress is Our God. We did some traditional things uh, for a Reformation Sunday celebration at our Lutheran Church. That is, by the way, located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia. And you can find out more about us at uh, www. Bethany, that is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dash L-C-M-S dot O-R-G. I'm Andy Jago, I'm the pastor there at Bethany, and we are doing a series called The Story, and uh, for the third podcast now, I to just uh, you'll notice that the uh, audio quality here, I'm using my outdoor microphone, There's uh, it sounds a little fuzzy and a little far away, uh, so I apologize for that, but we got uh, just... I have to replace a little part on my regular microphone here. Um, so that should hopefully happen by the next podcast. And uh, it's, it's just amazing, a little teeny thing. Uh, and that just changes your whole life. But uh, <laughs> we're going to still uh, have this podcast. It's simple format this time, by the way. We're gonna, uh, we've are gonna. we been going with that the last two. We have normally a feature called Story Starters, where I zero in on one aspect of this church-wide campaign called The Story. What's going on in different parts of the church as we do this? That's going to come back, hopefully, in the next podcast. For this uh, podcast, though, just a simple format where we do, uh, after this little introduction, a song, sermon, and song. The songs are going to be from our Reformation service. First, you're going to hear the handbells, the praise ringers, uh, and then you will hear our organ and brass during one of the communion hymns, I wanted a song uh, from our service that really highlighted the uh, the brass. So you could really hear the brass from the choir loft. Uh, and uh, that was the one song that did it out of all the ones that we did. Uh, and it was one of our communion songs. And uh, if you're familiar with the hymns of Martin Luther, this may sound familiar. All right, uh, let's get into it. Uh, chapter 7 of the story is Joshua and the Promised Land. There's going to be some Easter overtones, I think, as we listen to the sermon here. Uh, so the word spoken, the word sung and played. Uh, may the Lord bless his word, uh, which will not return empty, uh, but will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent.
almost feel like saying Christ is risen. <laughs> Has a little bit of an Easter feel to it today, doesn't it? What a wonderful day today. Welcome. October 31st, as I said, is almost here. But dear friends, is that a day, as some accuse, where we Christians celebrate devils and witches and all the powers of darkness? Is it? No, sir. No, sir. We we Christians celebrate instead all those powers of darkness. We celebrate their defeat at the hands of our Savior. And it just so happens, I mean, where does the name Halloween come from? It comes because it's a weird conflagration of All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Day is All Saints Day. That's the day that we celebrate. We read every year from Revelation 7, the great multitude that no one can count or number before God's throne of grace, waving what? waving palm branches in their hands. Why? Because they are celebrating the victory, the victory that is ours through Jesus Christ. Victory over sin, victory over death, victory over the devil. So what is Halloween to a Christian? Well, for me, it's a fun day to dress up. Not that I needed that much of an excuse, mind you. There's days where I miss you know, the, the days in uh, high school and middle school and college where I was in the drama club and doing theater productions. I loved getting in the costume and being on stage. I know that comes as a complete shock to some of you. I know that, but that's true. And it's a time for us living a little bit in our imagination. I'm grateful to my children who usually avoid the spooky side of All Hallows' Eve. This year they're, they're going respectively as an angel and a Valkyrie. <laughs> so I'll feel extra secure, extra safe as I'm walking with them around the neighborhood, extra protected. Well, coincidentally, though, All Hallows' Eve and All Hallows' Day, All Saints' Day, <clears throat> is also the moment in history, also the moment in time, when an Augustinian monk slash professor slash pastor posted 95 points for debate on his castle church door in Wittenberg. This document was written in Latin, and the, the, this monk professor was hoping that some of the learned scholars in his area would join him for debate on an issue he felt was really harming the church. It was hindering the, the, the preaching of the good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. It was having, you know, there was an issue where some of his people were putting their faith and trust into something else other than Jesus. So he was hoping that people would see his his post on the way to Mass on All Saints' Day. So if Martin Luther had his way, this may have caused a local stir among people right there and, and hopefully bring people together to debate and ultimately kill that practice of what was at that time selling indulgences. That was what was getting in the way of people's faith. Would kill that practice, at least in the area of Saxony. However, some of his colleagues and students felt that what he wrote was important enough for everyone to read. So they translated it into German and they posted it on Facebook. <laughs> well, okay, they, 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 at that time it was the printing press, right? So they put it on the printing press, got all these copies out to people so they could read it. 
And, 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 you know, and, and it would, people would not know about it today, probably, if not for the fact that this simple act of nonconformity, a little bit of rebellion against church authority, if you will, it caused up more than just a small stir. It changed the world as we know it. One day, 1517, all hallows eve. Centuries later, Lutherans and other Protestants have this Reformation Day on the calendar to celebrate that moment. Now, alas, generations ago, maybe as, as my grandparents were around, you know, if you came to a Lutheran church on Reformation Day or another Protestant church, you may have heard a sermon like, well, thank God we're not Roman Catholic. <laughs> it may have sounded like that. And if that's all we are saying for this day, then I say, do away with it. We don't need that then on the church calendar, if that's all that it's about. In fact, I feel it's a tragedy that the church is split and that we are not under one organization, that we're not unified. Sadly, and I feel Martin Luther himself, he would be horrified if he saw how disunified Christendom is in this day and age. It should be something we're ashamed of, not something we're necessarily proud of. However, however, I think in Luther's mind, he would sacrifice unity. He would sacrifice his comfort, his fame. He would sacrifice his own life. But for one thing, the gospel. Ensuring that the gospel is clearly heard by the people. That's, that's the thing that was the key to this day. That is the key to the whole Reformation movement. That's why we celebrate today. And why we feel that there's blessings that came from that moment in history. It's because of the gospel, not because of individuals, not because of princes, not because uh, of all the wonder, you know, uh, of everything, that, but it's because of the gospel. Why is the gospel so important? Because that's where we clearly hear Jesus Christ. We can't have anything obstruct or get in the way. Not any church power, not any earthly power, not any earthly tradition. We can't have anything obstruct that clear proclamation that Christ died for our sins, that Christ defeated death, that because of Christ we will live with him forever. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our, the Apostle Paul writes so boldly at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. That's what gives today a little bit of an Easter feel, I believe. That victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, victory brings us <laughs> to chapter 7 of the story. If you're following along with our campaign this year to read through the Bible, and it brings us to this week's readings in the book of Joshua. Because victory is in this book of Joshua. And we have to, to, to read it, and as we read it, I believe we get echoes of that ultimate victory and ultimate triumph we have through Jesus. If you, if you have the story, or if you have your Bible with you, you could turn to Joshua chapter 1, 7 through 9, or chapter 7, right at the beginning of chapter 7 of the story, the second full paragraph there where it says, be strong and very courageous. This is what the Lord says to Joshua, then I'll tell you what, what echoes I hear from here. God says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Dear Christian friends, unfortunately, 
In the next chapters, chapters 8, 9, 10, what we have is a lot of turning to the right and to the left. Be there in a minute. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Victory. God is preparing his servant to take the city of Jericho in the way which we was described in our story selection for today. The walls falling flat before the trumpet sound. Victory. And yet the Lord, there's a warning there. Do not turn to the right. Do not turn to the left. But what happens throughout Israel's history? What happens throughout Israel's history is that there's a lot of turning away. There's a lot of ways in which they do not trust in the Lord. The second reference that I have in your bulletin today is to Psalm 106, because this is a penitential psalm. What we mean by that, it was a call for the children of Israel to repentance, similar to what we do at the beginning of most of our communion services. We call out, we say it's time to confess our sins, to to be on our knees and to confess to the Lord the ways in which we've gone wrong in our life. Well, in this same way, we have these words of confession in Psalm 106, beginning with verse 29, where it says, They forgot their Savior who had done great things in Egypt. They despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. This is the confessional song to bring these things to mind, to remember that disaster upon disaster fell because of rebellion and disobedience. And to remind the people to turn to the Lord, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. As I said, we have a similar call at the beginning of our worship, an acknowledgement that this particular victory over sin is not yet complete, just as Joshua's victories in the promised land. By the time he's an old man, when you get to the end of chapter 7 this week, and the end of our readings in Joshua, I believe ending in Joshua 24, then you, you have Joshua as an old man charging, all right, this is the unfinished business that we've got to take care of. There's still enemies that, have left, that are left that are unconquered. And dear friends, that to me feels like, you know, this sin that we, we are still, we are at the same time we receive God's promise that all of our sin is taken to the cross, is covered with the blood of the Lamb at Calvary. We have that victory, and yet we still struggle. So we feel as if the victory is not yet won, but yet it is ours. That's our lives. Life together with our Savior is ours by God's promise even if we still struggle daily with ourselves, our selfish thoughts, our words and our deeds. Our enemy is, seems not fully defeated, but when we look at the cross of Calvary, that is a reminder that, yes, our sin will ultimately be cleansed, and we will be given the land of promise by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's a, the first enemy that I hear echoes of today. The second is in Joshua chap, chapter 10, verses 40 through 43. 
Joshua struck the whole land, the hill country and the Negev and the lowland and the slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining, but devoted to destruction all that breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded, because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. So we just had that, that acknowledgement. And indeed, in Psalm 106, there's the acknowledgement that Joshua was, was successful. He devoted all before him to destruction, even though there were kings that were left over. Again, to the call and repentance in Psalm 106, 34, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. Why was it important, by the way, that Joshua devoted all to destruction? That's a That's a hard part of the Bible for me to read and to understand. Psalm 106 helps to explain this in part. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. That's why total destruction was ordered. You remember the very first murder The blood of Abel is on the ground, and it cries out to the Lord because it was innocent blood that was shed. That's the result of these other religions, these other people being in the land, and why the Lord said they should be devoted to destruction just at that time. Not that we should go out today and look for that, opportunities for a holy war today. It was just for that time and that place. And honestly, I'm not sure... Dear friends, if I, 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 the Lord give me the faith to do it, but that would have been a hard command for me also to follow. What I take heart in in that word from Joshua is it wasn't the swords of the Israelites that won the victory, ultimately. It was Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. It was the Lord who gives the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the total victory over the dark forces, even death. And how is that ultimate victory won? By putting someone else to the sword? No. By our Savior offering His life. Think of that. If you were in the place of the Israelites, if you would have had trouble following through on the Lord's command, think of that. The Lord put His own life out and said, take me instead. Take me instead of my people. He himself died in our place. And then, dear friends, as this is kind of an Easter Sunday echo, he defeated death. He defeated all the powers of darkness. I warn my kids every Halloween not to take too much of an interest in all the spooky stuff. But to think of this holiday as a way in which we make fun of them, mock them, Because they have no power. Death has no power. Any of our ancient enemies have no power over us. They have no room in our lives because the victory over all of our enemies is given by our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, we get to our text, which our story selection, which is in our bulletin for today from Joshua chapter 5. They celebrate the first Passover in the promised land. And look at this. A man was standing before Joshua. Joshua is there looking out over Jericho, and a man stands before him with a drawn sword in his hand. I am the commander of the Lord's army, he says. 
Now, who does that remind you of? Those of you that, you know, we didn't get a chance today. Usually, uh, Carrie gets a chance to do her, uh, right, right at the list. She usually signs up for a children's sermon the last Sunday in September. And even if we don't cover it in worship, she's going to hit St. Michael on All Angels Day, right? So that's one of our favorite holidays on the, on the church calendar. And if you look at Revelation, if you look at Revelation 12, I believe, where, where you have Michael, who is like the Lord, Michael, leading the Lord's armies. And who, what is he doing there in the book of Revelation? There's the fallen angels led by our ancient enemy, the old serpent, the devil. And what happens to them when Michael, when they meet Michael and the armies of the Lord? Is it a fair battle? Is it an even battle? Is it split 50-50? No, sir. <laughs> Michael draws his sword and all of the powers of evil fall down. Unfortunately on us, <laughs> here on earth, where they're going to be locked up until the end of time, but they're imprisoned here. They're contained here. They may, their bark is worse than their bite. The victory is won by the Lord. Who is like the Lord? And there is the commander of the Lord's army. Now I was reminded, actually, right before the sermon, that, that, that Joshua falls down and worships before this angel. And usually angels are saying, no, don't do that. So someone said, well, is this maybe one of those Old Testament appearances of Jesus? To which I shrug my shoulders and say, yep, maybe. <laughs> you know, if, you were, if, you, if the day comes where you can answer every single question that's there in the Bible, then that means you're probably standing before the Lord, right? So in this case, we'll just keep thinking about that and praying about that and saying, oh, isn't that cool? We, and it, it helps put our faith in the Lord. Psalm 106 again, our confessional psalm. Look at, look at the, one of the earlier verses. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. Now, dear friends, it doesn't matter. Now, this song, it doesn't matter if that's Egypt. It doesn't matter if that's the Perizzites. It doesn't matter if that's the Amorites. It doesn't matter if that's the Hittites or the Canaanites or any other kind of ites that are there as the enemies before the Lord. Sin, death, and the devil. God is the one who rescues us and saves us. Joshua has echoes of this wonderful victory that we have through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, writes St. Paul. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends, this does have Easter echoes today. Because after knowing the story of Joshua, the conquering of the Holy Land, knowing that there is a promised land awaiting each and every one of us as God's children, and that just like Joshua was commanded, we ourselves should be strong and courageous, even in the face of such impossible enemies as our own sin, as our old ancient foe, as even death itself. Those are things that could frighten or alarm us. Even in the face of such enemies, we should be strong and courageous, knowing that our Lord is going to take us into his holy presence, into the land that he has promised us to be with his people forever. Do we make decisions in our home and at our church that may signal defeat or retreat? Or do we have a future and a home with our Lord? Are we brave and courageous with what we teach our children, with the decisions that we make 
with the faith that we put in our Lord and the trust that he will win the victory for us. Joshua did not face, did not fear the enemies, as far as we know, but faced each one being strong and courageous, knowing this, that the Lord goes before him. He saw the commander of the Lord's army, sword out drawn, and he knew, this is what's going before me. It is the Lord who is going to win this victory. When we struggle with ourselves, with the forces of death, with evil in this world, embodied by our ancient foe, we do not do so with our own strength and our own courage, but Christ who lives in us. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I cannot, how can I conclude any other way than what the words of St. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter, where he talks about the Lord and how he puts all those ancient enemies of ours to heal. His conclusion is this at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. Never in vain. Semper reformata. Always reformata. The church is always being reformed by the law and the gospel from our Lord. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever in Christ Jesus. Amen.